His name is Superman, and he can fly, and he can run fast, and he can see through things, and he can probably hold his breath, but it didn't really go into that. We have to go back! everyone and welcome back to the flashback flicks podcast i'm ricky and i'm grayson and today we are reviewing the 1978 classic superman colon the movie gotta mess it up with the colon (laughs) yeah this is the first movie that we're reviewing that has the movie in the title no that's true yeah it wasn't charlie brown the movie it was you're a good man charlie brown Yep. Hmm. Semicolon. The, no, it wasn't semicolon. But yeah. It was back, colon, to the future. <laughs> uh, speaking of colons, this episode is brought to you in part by a colon blow, just like mom used to make them. <laughs> colon blow. Get regular with your irregularities. I'm keeping that in. <laughs> Gonna stick like colon blow. So, um, so like we said, this movie came out in 1978, and it has, uh, like most movies, a lot of interesting history. Actually, is this the oldest movie that we've reviewed so far? I think we've done one more that was older. Oh, the Charlie Brown movie. Charlie Brown. Yeah, Charlie older. Brown. Charlie right, so, Brown was older. So this is the oldest live action movie that we've done justified perfect (laughs) yeah so this movie um was super interesting to watch oh yeah that's right super we're gonna probably say that a lot accidentally whoever can tell us how many times we say super uh will win absolutely nothing except for our self-respect yeah you'll win what uh charlie bucket won uh when he originally turned in his god stopper oh yeah what did he win You win nothing. (laughs) You stole fizzy lifting drinks. I love it. (laughs) All right. So um, this movie, uh, much like the Batman movie that we reviewed in the previous episode, uh, almost didn't get made because of the Batman TV series. Uh, The Mm. 1960s Batman TV series was super campy. Uh, If you haven't seen it, uh, there's a thing called YouTube, and there's a thing called uh, searching, and it's wonderful. Like, the 1960s Batman was super campy, super over-the-top, um, but a lot of people didn't... Like, a lot of studios just weren't expecting for a Superman movie to be taken seriously or for it to be worth watching. They were just expecting it to be a two-hour camp fest. <laughs> um, but the big thing that actually got them to take the movie seriously is uh, the involvement of marlon brando who yep. who got top billing in the project like he did as um Zorel, he was like i i honestly didn't even recognize him until like afterwards i said I, marlon brando's in this movie i can't who was he and then i look back oh he was Zorel. wow or Jorel. Sorry, thank you. Jorel. Who is Zorel? Probably Zorel is uh he was like a Spanish vigilante with a sword. Oh, you know what? That's where he is. That's what I'm he thinking would, of. He would carve the the Z into their chest and they go, right. What's the Z stand for? And he goes, It's not a Z on my planet. <laughs> uh, That's right. I'm sorry. Uh Zorel is Jorel's younger brother. My mistake, you guys. Um but yeah, so once he got into the picture 
um, people are like, oh, well, maybe this movie won't be horrible. And uh, and so then uh, Richard Donner was hired to direct, and basically that's what we got. And his main goal for this movie was to make sure that it was super realistic. That's why, like, the tagline for this movie is, you will believe a man can fly. Like, that is on every single promotional poster. Just Cloud's Superman logo, you will believe a man can fly. And That's more an indication of the green screen technology, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You will believe special effects are real. Yeah, and they also had this really interesting uh, rig. Uh, there's an article on um, fxphd.com uh, that talks about making Superman fly, and they had these really interesting flying rigs because you know they weren't able to do 3D mapping the way we have it today. So they had these really interesting like moving stilts basically that were able to capture these characters like from a different perspective. And for me, like that was one of the most impressive effects that they were able to pull off. Like Superman landing in certain scenes, I'm like, that's pretty solid. Yeah, it doesn't have that cheese factor that uh, I expected. Yeah, and visually. And I'll say this. Um, Superman has never been a necessarily my favorite character. I've liked him um, throughout the years, and I've had different um, interests in him. Like my main connection to him was Superman the animated series, uh, the mm. Superman Adventures in the '90s. Uh, but besides that, Superman, in comparing in comparison to other superheroes, was never really my favorite. But I'm telling you, this movie really got me hooked. Yeah. Like, I really, really dug this portrayal of Superman. Um, and, and we can get more into that a little bit later. But uh, I think the casting was spot on. Christopher Reeves um, at the time. I think it's just singular. I think he's just one Reeve. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, Christopher Reeves. You know, they were they did the thing like they did in Full House. They had two Reeveses <laughs> in yeah. case one had a temper tantrum. It's like Christopher Reeves agent was very excited that he got this yeah um yeah in the movie um christopher reeve i keep on wanting to say reeves i've always said reeves this is going to ruin everything that my brain knows to be right um so christopher reeves was reeves i keep there it goes again christopher reeve uh was not the first choice for the role uh, several actors, including uh, Muhammad Ali, Al Pacino, James Caan, Steve McQueen, Clint e- Eastwood, Robert Redford, uh, Warren Beatty, Burt Reynolds, Christopher Walken, uh, 1970s Christopher Walken, um, and Paul Newman. Um, and not only were all these people considered, all these people turned down the role because no one really wanted it because I from my understanding of my research is that people were say like it's a silly suit or they just thought that it was going to be too campy um and some people just wanted a lot of money well it's also a lot of work to play superman like it's a strict physical demand to get into the shape of the man of steel mm-hmm. uh in fact the uh the guy that played Darth Vader David Prowse the, like not James Earl Jones but the guy that was in the actual Darth Vader's suit. Oh, Anakin um, Skywalker. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> David Prowse. Uh-huh. Uh, he he designed a bodybuilding workout routine for Christopher Reeve to 
get in shape, basically. That's interesting. I don't really think of Darth Vader as being like ripped, though. No, like you would you would think of all the roles where you're like, you know what, you're fine. It would be, yeah. it would be <laughs> Darth Vader. Because yeah. working out doesn't make you taller. No, unless you do it upside down. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Hmm. Like Batman. Um, but yeah, I another thing that also helped get the movie. Uh, launched and greenlit uh, has to be John Williams' involvement. I feel like if John Will- if you can get John Williams on your project, I feel like it's almost a guaranteed green light for you. Created some of the greatest scores in movie history. The Superman theme is just one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Wars, obviously. Uh, what is with the Superman-Star Wars connection? Why? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, but the, the Harry Potter music? He also, oh, yeah. he did music for Harry Potter. Yeah. It's just insanity. Jurassic Park, all mm-hmm. of it. Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, that guy, he knows how to score music. I mean, Lego Indiana Jones. <laughs> just looking at his IMDb page here. Yeah, Basically, it- anything John Williams wrote a score for, they turned it into a Lego game. Yeah. <laughs> Harry oh. Potter. Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Jurassic Park. You're right. Man, John Williams. Seven years in Tibet. He really, like, that's what, they need to just start advertising movies as a John Williams scored movie. People are like, oh, I got to see this. Got to see what next Lego game I need to buy. Yeah. Did Uh, they make a Lego Jaws? Because they should have. Oh, they, I don't think they have, but I think. Because of how I how confident I am that Hollywood listens to this podcast, I think we're on our way to seeing one. You want to know how long John Williams' career has been? Uh, Lost in Space, he did the uh, the original scoring for that. He was the composer for Lost in Space, for- and not the Matt LeBlanc version. <laughs> what? The TV no. show from 1965 to 1968, he was the composer on 115 episodes of Lost in Space. Wow. Well, I think, oh, man, I think we just need to have a whole, all right, next movie marathon is just all movies with the score written and composed by John Williams. That'd be great. The unfortunate thing about that is, for copyright reasons, we couldn't play them any of the music, I don't think. We, we it's just... <laughs> So here's you like thing. John Williams music? <laughs> you like two guys talking about John Williams music? My, my headcanon for his <laughs> score was that they were actually the same note the entire time. The entire time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, so um, that's about all the history that we have. So uh, now we're going to well, go. I got, I got one fun oh, sorry, thing, go ahead. Mickey. Go ahead. Uh, true to form, Marlon Brando didn't want to memorize his lines. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> The guy hates memorizing lines. He says, "Listen, if you want me in the movie, oh man, I, I don't, I don't have my lines memorized. What I want you to do is, as soon as you hold, give me that baby, put the script on the baby, and I will read it. Which is yeah. actually what happened. Yeah, it was written on the baby's diaper. He did the same thing in Godfather when he's looking down at the body. He had a sandwich off screen, <laughs> and he's reading cue cards." Fortunately, he barely had to say anything in Apocalypse Now except wear the big bed sheet and say, the horror, the horror. Oh, goodness. 
Yeah, yeah. he's he's a classic. Oh, they don't they don't make him like they they <laughs> used to. No, no. Uh, yeah, he he wanted a ton of money uh, for his role, and he wanted way more for Superman too. But well, yeah, he was mad when Superman two came out because he didn't want to memorize uh, how much he was supposed to get paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a big surprise to him. Wait a minute. Wait a sec. <laughs> there are actually multiple cuts to Superman 2. We won't go as deep into that, but if you ever hear the Richard Donner cut, it's because they did uh, separate cuts based on like change in director and, and the leadership there, uh, which was its own big drama. But um, a lot of the Brando footage was not used in Superman 2, even though they had already shot it uh, because of that dispute over payment mm-hmm. uh, after the fact. So he doesn't he doesn't pop up there. Yeah. Yeah. And then just to go uh, down the Superman film history even further, uh, Superman three and Superman four, a quest for peace, uh, as well as the highly unsuccessful and just terribly panned Supergirl movie in 1984. Um, Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, it's not it's 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 not the best. Uh, it does not hold up that well over time. Um, but the last three have really interesting histories. I encourage you guys to look them up. But basically, because of the failure of the last three movies, including the Supergirl uh, spinoff film, um, the fifth there's a fifth Superman movie uh, that got caught in basically uh, what they call development hell for nearly two decades. Uh, the movie Superman Returns that a lot of people now know was supposed to be the fifth Superman movie. Like that was a movie that was stuck in development for so many years, and yeah. it also didn't do as well. And that's when we got the dark gritty reboot, which is Man of Steel. Right. Actually, in the the collection that I used to watch this, Superman Returns is included in that collection as the fifth movie. Yeah. And that it, he's gone away for a long time. And it would make sense. Like, it, it, just based off of seeing Superman, the movie. Sorry, Superman colon, the movie. Um, Ugh. <laughs> um, it would make sense. Like, that story would make sense in its time. And I can understand why it didn't do as well. Because uh, I, I, I did see Superman Returns in theaters. And I remember there were a lot of things about it that I actually liked. But I could also see why it didn't play as well to new audiences because it was assuming a lot. It was assuming that a lot of people knew different things about Superman and how they were doing a lot of copying and pasting from this movie to that uh, sequel. So mm-hmm. I think re- I, honestly, I honestly thinking rebooting it was a smart choice because uh, there's a lot to live up to with this film series, especially a lot the of baggage movie. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. We were talking about the TV show equivalents of like Batman earlier. There was an Adventures of Superman show in 1952. Uh, and that's it right, was, the black and white one. Yeah, and this is going to make things even more confusing with George Reeves. Wait, George Reeve or George Reeves? No, there's a bunch of them. No. George, <laughs> yeah, George Reeves played Clark Kent slash Superman. Uh, but it also lists him as playing a boulder at one point. So I don't know exactly <laughs> oh, yeah. what happened there. Oh, and yeah. he, he plays my favorite boulder. <laughs> but yeah, the S that Marlon Brando wears, the white S, is the same one that George Reeves wore in Adventures of Superman. 
Oh, wow. Well, yeah. And so I do remember there being a movie called Hollywoodland um, about the mysterious death of George Reeves. Yes, that, that was it. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Now playing uh, Batman in the new uh, Batman Very Superman movie. This goes all the way to the top. Straight to the top. Straight to the top. Yeah. But yeah, there are a lot of interesting connections in there. And I think this might be the longest time that we've talked about the history of a movie. But it's very rich history and very interesting history. Because this spans, like this movie came out in 1978. And this movie um, broke box offices. And it was the highest grossing DC film until, of course, Batman. Mm the movie came out in oh. <laughs> um in the 80s uh, yeah well you with on the money front too we talked about how upset marlon brando was for superman 2 mm-hmm. uh but for superman 1 his salary made him the highest paid movie star in the world at that time wow marlon brando he's i mean he's in it for like the first half hour mm-hmm and then he's a head. He's the Wizard of Oz for all of his other scenes. Yeah. Never memorized a line. Not a line. No, oh, that's great. Oh, man. We need to do a Marlon Brando series. We really do. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, money, uh, the movie was estimated at uh, $55 million for their budget. And then the box office made $300.2 million. That is a lot that is of a lot <laughs> hey ricky hey grayson you want to hear something uh kind of racist <laughs> not particularly <laughs> no you'll like it you'll like it uh, <laughs> uh yeah so rocky came out in 1976 mm-hmm. and stallone was a big superman fan he really wanted to play clark kent mm-hmm. uh turned down they told him he was too italian more Italian than Marlon Brando? Exactly. <laughs> the Godfather himself. Uh, or maybe maybe it was a mistake. He's like, hey, we can't have two Italians in this movie. Oh, they might look like father-son. Yeah, they're like, well, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Well, look at that. Wow. Yeah, that's that's kind of terrible. Yeah, I've heard that elsewhere. What uh, that, a couple of different that that he was turned down for being quote too Italian. Uh man, that's unfortunate. Uh, there's just so much history with this. It's so much. Like Gene Hackman, uh, tons of stuff with Gene Hackman. The fact that he uh, initially wanted to turn down the role because he thought it would damage his. Uh, his image as a serious actor. Hmm. Yeah. But it, actually, Dustin Hoffman turned down the role. Can you imagine if Dustin okay. Hoffman had been Lex Luthor? Yes. Yes, I can. Yeah. Bald Dustin Hoffman. Wow. Although he has been bald before and a villain and reveals his baldness in a very similar way than Lex Luthor. Can you at home name the movie? <laughs> ding, ding. All right, that's enough time. I'm talking about Hook. <laughs> Very good. Did you, listeners at home, get that reference? When did we turn into Dora the Explorer? I have no clue. Uh, 
All right, I got to go talk to my boots. <laughs> okay. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, so we told you guys a ton of history about this movie. Uh, now we're gonna go into our reactions of this film. Uh, and I'll start out with saying I was super surprised at how fast uh, 2.5 hours of film time went by. Mm-hmm. Man, at first I thought that this, like I saw, oh great, Superman, great. At most will be two hours. It is Lord of the Rings length. <laughs> like, yeah, it is so close. I'm like, what? What do I have? What do I have to see? But like that, like because we open up on uh, C-SPAN Krypton with a court <laughs> hearing, and Zod and his crew get uh, sentenced to floppy disk into space, <laughs> and uh, in their hula hoop prison. And I'm like, oh no, this is what the movie's gonna be. It's gonna be two hours of this. Yeah. Well, actually, it opens in a theater. <laughs> then we see a projection mm-hmm. of a comic book yeah. and a kid reading a comic book. And then we go into the panel within the comic book. So I have no idea where this <laughs> takes place. This takes place in the mind of the child. Superman Returns actually ends with a kid closing the book saying, that's that. <laughs> or maybe that was that was a director's cut of it. Oh, that- Richard Donner. Yeah, that's the Richard Donner cut of the fifth movie. Like, this kind of was the quintessential origin story formula. Uh, right. You know, Batman, Batman kind of broke the mold with doing flashbacks and showing the origin. But this one just said, hey, great. We're going to see Krypton. We're going to see Krypton destroyed. We're going to see uh, Superman or Clark Kent uh, being raised on the farm and i the the thing that i saw was super interesting was how they said no this journey took three years i was like oh that's super interesting and that um baby clark got an in-flight movie of lectures by his father uh which for like three years like he Mm -hmm. he apparently that space pod has some kind of diaper changing unit i assume landed on earth and i think maybe one of my favorite moments is when uh, uh, Ma and Pa Kent find the baby, and then he says, "It's like, ah, oh, well, he's like, oh, we're gonna have to find his parents." And Martha's like, "He doesn't have any parents." Then Pa Kent's pretty like, quick conclusion. He says, "Martha, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Kidnapping? <laughs> oh, Martha, <laughs> come on, let's just raise the naked boy as our own." <laughs> yeah. Clearly, he has no parents. He's in a ditch. <laughs> he knows no shame, and he's super strong. You know, we banned those circus freaks years ago. He couldn't have family here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that was like, I think that was an interesting detail to have. Just like, okay, great. So when he landed on Earth, you know, he had already just, he has this Kryptonian knowledge kind of in the recesses of his brain, and he knows all these different things about his culture. It's just like kind of, buried in because he had that for three years of like that was his only um interaction with anyone else for three years um, yeah but yeah I, I think the origin the way that they told his origin uh actually was paced very well i was super surprised by that um everything felt right like when clark turned 18 and he went off to create the fortress of solitude and then 12 years later, like he was training to become Superman um, with the help of um, Jor-El, Zor-El, not his brother, of Zor-El. Um, <laughs> Zor-El. Yeah. 
uh, after training for 12 years, he comes back as Clark. I thought that that as an origin story was super strong because it made Clark Kent make sense as a human being in this world. Um, mm-hmm. So a fun little uh, 70s trivia. Um, so Clark Kent wearing a three-piece suit and a hat uh, was not commonplace for the 70s assuming this movie did take place in 78 because there's a moment where superman is looking for a phone booth but he sees like uh, yeah like a collect phone thing he's like oh well it can't change here it's like so a just nod a to the audience that's funny i like that um but uh men wearing suits kind of went out of style in the mid 60s uh shortly after the time that you know superman would have gone into a you know his 12 year training montage that we didn't really get to see um and so when he, that was the last time he was around people so i like the idea that clark oh. playing his version of what he thinks a normal adult would be like and that he is kind of removed from society i like that because that makes clark kent as a character not necessarily like a bumbling idiot who's just like i'm going to be so smart and change everything about me because I'm Superman and I'm clever. It's just like, okay, great. So I need to blend in. But it made him kind of awkward. And he's saying things like, oh, well, well, miss, uh, uh, I hope this doesn't scare you away from flying. It's still the safest way to fly. I'm like, Superman, you're a dork. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was just saying these things that made it seem like he was playing adult. Because yeah. he had been removed away from society. And he had this very Kryptonian, very alien type... Um, upbringing for those 12 years and so he wasn't like hip with the you know colloquialisms of modern day 1978 but he was just kind of doing what he knew to do and that him being superman he felt the most comfortable because that's what he was spending most of his adulthood doing well said thanks uh (laughs) Um, and I also guess the seventies was a time when people willingly walked into alleys. Like, what is it? <laughs> like when that guy said, Hey, you come here. Like they're openly in an alley and they're like, uh, no, like they could have just walked by. Yeah. They were on the street. They're on the street. Like, like mm, I think, I think I won't. Yeah. And then he walks into the alley and I'm just like, Oh, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting choice, just like to have uh, Clark be kind of not only just like a, well, I need to blend in and um, outwit everyone by playing mild manner, super clumsy Clark Kent, but playing him because he thinks, okay, so this is what normal humans are. Like, I'm super strong, so I need to play this down. And him kind of having like a disconnect between like mm-hmm. what it means to... Uh, be a normal human being. I think that that was an interesting thing. Um, and man, when he transformed, like when he kind of slouched over uh, when he was meeting Lois after meeting, when he met Lois as Clark Kent after meeting her as Superman and shoulders were slouched and he took off his glasses and he stood up straight and the music and swelled voice. in the background. I was like, oh my word, he's Superman. Like in that moment, I was like, this guy is Superman. Yeah, loved that. Yeah, it's a definitive difference. You you can, you can definitely be like, oh, I I could see how somebody would know Clark Kent and not make the connection that he's Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which always seemed 
like just a, a ridiculous conceit within the Superman universe. Be like, he's got glasses. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't totally like not recognize my friends when they put on glasses. Well, here's an interesting theory that uh, Nerdsing talked about with Superman is like if you see Superman, this guy who's flying around saving people, you wouldn't necessarily think that he would be anyone other than Superman. Like he's not wearing a mask like Batman. You know Batman has another identity because he's wearing a mask, but then you have this guy who's flying in the air larger than life, doesn't hide his face. We know what his face looks like. We just don't mm-hmm. know where he is. So if you see Superman and you don't know that he is already someone else, why would you think that he would be anyone other than Superman? I thought that was like for example, like the president of the United States. Like, you don't think, but who really is the president? Like, you have your idea of who they are and that they are that person, but you don't think that they have another lifestyle or another um, life, an alternate personality or anything like that. You just say, oh, no, that's the president, you know? Yeah. That's, That's the theory that I think makes the most sense. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, in a world where they say, hey, we've seen Superman. Superman is this person who does exist. He's Superman. He's told us who he is. And also, he gave away all of his weaknesses in the newspaper. I think that was the Yeah, only- that was a bad move. That was uh, not cool. <laughs> who else could he be? Because no, no, no person with something to hide would tell a newspaper what his weaknesses are. He's like, actually, I can't see through lead. Uh, kind of gives me a problem. He doesn't. <laughs> he does not mention the kryptonite, though. Lex figures that out for himself. Yeah, but he but he says, listen, I was on the planet Krypton. He's like, oh, Krypton. Let me let me pull out my uh my atlas. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's right over here. Yeah, and then Lex is like, well, then there must be particles, fragments, and if it came from Krypton, run. Oh man, kryptonite can stop him. Like. You got that from that? <laughs> Lex, I think you need to get out more. Like, well, that's just science. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, that was me talking a lot. Uh, what about you? What, what was your reaction to the movie? Uh, my first reaction was, wow, my dad looks a lot like Superman. Dude, that's exactly what I was thinking. Your dad looked so much like Superman. Oh, man. If you look at my dad's wedding photos to my mom, it looks like Christopher Reeve. That's madness it's insane now today he's starting to look a little more like um abraham lincoln but it's (laughs) it's been a gradual transition oh wow uh no i thought it was interesting it two and a half hours seemed uh long uh it's five acts Mm -hmm. which is just that's lengthy i think the movie still plays if you start it when they get to metropolis Mm mm-hmm like, yeah, the origin story is great, but I think it could have been peppered in or save that for the sequel to actually see where he came from after we've established it. Because yeah. that's where we see Zod anyway. Right. General Zod, when he's sent off, that would make a lot more sense to put it at the beginning of Superman 2 rather than having that little exposition at the beginning, which ended up being quite a bit of exposition. So if you start it in Metropolis mm-hmm. and you just have... Uh, you know, this mild-mannered reporter, and you have Lois Lane, and you have you know, Jimmy there, Jimmy Olsen. 
Uh, it's like you, you meet all these characters and then this horrible thing is about to happen to Lois mm-hmm. and, oh, it's Superman. Yeah. Like, I, I think it still plays because um, then you have the, the fun part right after that. Totally. Just flying around. Well, I think that this, the, the length of the movie really speaks to the time. I feel like yeah. 70s moviegoers had way more patience than we did um, mm-hmm. because when you look back at that movie, like, the pace, like it's a long movie, but the pacing is solid. Like th- things yeah. happen, just like hey, listen, um, you know, you have Jor-El, um, who, like, you establish his presence, and it's a lot of the same beats that they took in Man of Steel. Man of Steel picks up a lot of the same beats. They say, listen, we're gonna start on Krypton, we're gonna go to Earth, and we're going to flashback the raising of Clark, but we're kind of seeing him and his journey to become. Superman um working as a dock worker or whatever yeah. it was <laughs> yeah but um I, I I preferred this a little bit more just because uh, the interaction between uh Clark and Pa Kent um mm-hmm. is a little stronger um I, I like that he's just like listen son I mean you're here to do things more than just play football like I think you're here to do something great um and then his passing you know leads him to explore and discover like his birth father figure. Um, and we didn't see a whole yeah. lot of that interaction, but I liked seeing that that did take place. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think that um, it, the movie could easily have been like, you could take an hour off of it and still have like a solid, mm-hmm. solid, um, solid movie. Just like start with Clark saying, Oh, hello, Lois Lane. Or even just start yeah. on earth with the crash right. landing. Like, hey. Yeah, yeah, you could see all that. Yeah. Yeah, there's several points. You could really start it at any of the first three act mm-hmm. beginnings. Um, yeah, the relationship with Pa Kent and Teenage Clark was really nice, really touching. Mm-hmm. Um, it just reinforced my personal theory that you should never give your best advice because that is the second you're going to die. <laughs> Well, son, this is the best advice I have to give. No, Dad, don't keep it to yourself. Write it down in a journal. It turns out human life is comprised of advice, and when you give away the best of it, you cease to live. Mm-hmm. Science. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, and then, man, I'm telling you, um, this Lex Luthor, I've, I've honestly, in any Superman movie I've seen, Lex Luthor hasn't made a lot of sense as a villain. Um, my main version of him I've seen is in um, Superman Returns, uh, mm. but also the animated uh, Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor in the animated version, he's a little more menacing. He sees Superman as a challenge. He's just like, listen, yeah. I'm power hungry, and Superman is my biggest challenge, just intellectually, and I will do whatever it takes to destroy him so I can best him. Uh, but this Lex Luthor was crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, he killed the guy. He's like, "Hey, you were followed, and I killed the guy who's trying to find you and find me." And I think that's what they're going for in the Batman very Superman uh, with Jesse Eisenberg. Like, he <laughs> is just like he's he's off. He's a little off. Like, he's power hungry, but yeah. not like. Bond villain power hungry. He's like, I'm going to take over the world. There's nothing you can do about it. He's like, Hey, um. I'm super smart, but I'm also super detached from reality. And like, oh, so the social network. 
If you would have killed Superman, you would have killed Superman. Yeah, and he, he uh, you know, kind of screwed over Army Hammer in the social network, uh-huh. who kind of uh, screwed over uh, Henry Cavill in uh, The Man from Uncle. Yeah. And Go now to Henry the Cavill is going to turn him back on Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, love it. Uh yeah, the, I just rewatched Man from Uncle over the weekend, and it was fantastic. Right, it's, it's just, so good. I love Henry Cavill's uh, American accent. Wait, why do you say it so fancy? Cavill, Cavill, <laughs> <laughs> Henry Cavill, that was Henry Cavill. He can beat you. No evil. Let us know in the comments whether you say it Cavill or Cavill. We're just going to get all his name. <laughs> I don't know. This reads Cavill to me. <laughs> They're just typing the same words. <laughs> to kind of wrap up the uh, whole uh, reaction segment, um, have you seen this movie before? When I was a little, little kid, um, and there was a lot of it that seemed really familiar, mostly faces, like Perry White is Jackie Cooper, very famous Ned Beatty from Deliverance fame. Um, and I mean, obviously some super famous people. The one that stuck out to me the most, though, was Jimmy Olsen. I couldn't quite place where I'd seen Jimmy Olsen. And um, it wasn't until uh, the, the part where he turns back time where I realized that Mark McClure, mm-hmm. the actor who plays Jimmy Olsen, this was actually his first time travel movie. <laughs> he would later go on to appear in a more mainstream time travel movie known for time travel. Oh my goodness. As Dave McFly in Back to the Future. Wow. He certainly wow. has a type. <laughs> I cannot believe you got that from that, but you're absolutely right. Jimmy Olsen is Dave McFly. Oh, man. He always wears a suit to the office. He always wears a suit to the office. Wow. That's amazing. Well done, sir. Well and Margot Margo Kidder as Margot Kidder. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to go into uh, my favorite uh, segment of the show called Head Cannon. <laughs> Faster than a speeding bullet. Headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my headcanon is that um, the thing that caused Krypton to go bad is mm. um, a mob deal that ended up going bad. And that Superman <laughs> is sent to Earth to settle a deal. He's like, listen, listen, I want you to go to Earth. And we've been dead for this long, but here's the thing. You're gonna be super that so you're gonna be Superman. And then when your work is done here on Earth, I will be asking you to do me a favor for saving your life. Alright? And then he goes then he goes back into space. That's where like in between Superman returns and uh Superman Quest for Peace, or um he goes out and is settling debts for his dad, trying to find oh. Krypton still but also settling debts because he's like, hey, listen, you've been you've been here on this plane, you've been doing a lot of good work. Now I need you to um, do some work that you're not super proud about, okay? He's like, I, I just went out of the family business, Dad. <laughs> I want to be a superhero. I'm tired of killing aliens. 
Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's my my that's my main headcanon. The I think the other headcanon I have is that um the movie the whole movie series does take place within the seventies and eighties time period. Like even in Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm pretty sure they include some kind of like phone technology or something like that. Um I think it takes place in that time period, um, but also just going sticking to the idea that Clark Kent is he's more alien as Clark Kent because he doesn't know how humans actually interact. Like, I love that piece that he's actually disconnected from humans and that he is just really a dork when he tries to be a normal human being. He's like, oh, uh, well, Lois, you... Let's go out to the sock hop, get a milkshake. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll go to a talkie. (laughs) I heard heard great, great things about the show. Gonna gonna vote for FDR. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, interesting thing about this movie, headcanon-wise, is uh, Mm -hmm. how time travel is a simple... It's just flying, uh, like re- like making the Earth go opposite of its rotation, um, right? And my guess is that's not the first time Superman has tried that. Um, he came up with that solution pretty quickly, right? He's like, no. Well, see, I, I think I think it was uh, <laughs> I I think it was part of the training that he received. Mm-hmm. From Marlon Brando, uh, because you hear several times the line, you're not to interfere with human history, mm-hmm. uh, which would imply that he has a way of accessing human history. Yep. He doesn't say the current events. Um, he says history. So, uh, yeah, I think that's something that probably came up. Like, hey, listen, you can turn back time. You shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving you permission you don't have my blessing, but if you do it, you know, do it responsibly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that the other times that he would have tried to, like, test out his superpowers is not only in the Fortress of Solitude, but maybe mm. a little town known as Gotham. And that oh. he actually tried, like, stopping crime and all these other things in Gotham, but not as Superman. Um but as almost like a precursor to Batman, like because, you know, Superman's abilities always say like when he first started out in the comics and in the cartoon show, he's like, hey, faster than a speeding bullet can leap a building in a single bound. Flying was not his original set of abilities, but kind of like was with, leaping. Right. It, so he had super strength. And he could leap, but he couldn't like fly particularly. Yeah. He just didn't know how to access that ability he didn't know that that was something he could do similar to how they showed it in man of steel um mm-hmm. so my headcanon is that uh, some of the villains that were created and some of the things that are happening in gotham were kind of influenced by um all these very larger than life characters ha- have been somewhat instu- influenced by superman and people trying to like stop this guy who's larger than life. And then when Batman comes on the scene, they're like, Oh man, he's this huge freak. Like people talk about Batman's like, Oh man, he's some kind of like crazy thing. He's invincible. He's this big figure. Well, where do you think they got that idea from? 
I think they yeah. got it from Superman, like training in Gotham um, during those years. And then when he finally decided to like put on the tights, um, he's like, well, let's try Metropolis because they have a very great news uh, center in that way. If he's close to the news, he's close to knowing what's happening all over the world. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's cool that Metropolis also has their own uh, Statue of Liberty. (laughs) (laughs) What's that about? (laughs) Thanks, France. I thought it was special. Oh, that's great. That's brilliant. Uh, I didn't realize uh, that, but you're right. Yeah. Um, for my head cannon, yeah, not surprisingly, uh, I would say that Superman is actually a construct of Lois Lane's psyche. Oh, really? Uh, yes, that uh, everything, starting with uh, our first view of Metropolis through the helicopter crash, mm-hmm. um, is real. But then um, after that, when she's dangling. That all takes place in the mind of Lois Lane because she's thinking of what can save her and she attributes those kind of super abilities to the handsome guy that she met earlier that day um, who was really dorky but still you know, tall, strong, and um, she kind of invents Superman, which is why she consistently is in situations where she's in jeopardy or dying. And so... Probably the last moment when she falls is when she sinks into the San Andreas Fault. Interesting. I like that. Well, I'm going to add this on there because you made me just think of something. So Lois is in the train. when Right. Oh, yeah. So so she sees this guy who's running really fast. Who knows how fast he was really running? But let's just say she's like, oh, wow, that guy, he was like super fast. Like I can't never seen one that fast and so she just starts doodling just starts drawing Mm. things as a kid and as she grows up she's like man i can't shake this i I had this idea as a kid of uh, this guy who's just like larger than life he was like a superman and then she's like wait superman that's good and so then she just starts writing and so superman is just the adventure novel that lois lang created in the world um and then she starts meeting a guy at work named clark kent who is kind of dorky and unassuming but like he's like wait but what if he was superman and then she just kind of manifests him um very much in the stranger than fiction uh narrative (laughs) and he leaps off the page literally boom you're welcome hollywood man of steel 2 lois Lane's love story. <laughs> Roderick rules. <laughs> uh, no, that's good. That's good. All right, that's all the headcanon I have. Yeah. All right, and so now we're yeah. going to go to um segment of the show called Recast and Remake. Now, hear me out. Okay. All right. It's been done so many times. It's been done so many times, but I think I have a unique... um a unique uh, story to tell, okay? Okay. So, it's Superman, right? Yeah. But what if, instead of Superman, uh, instead of having all these different abilities, what if he was just your normal, everyday guy um, who, he still lost his parents, but instead of um, having these super abilities and putting on tights, 
he trains martial arts and becomes a guy named Batman. Oh, I see what you're doing there. I see what yeah. you're doing there. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna start with your original premise, <laughs> and say what if? So he still he still lost his parents. Yeah. Um, but instead of uh, you know, all like all the being able to see through walls and stuff like that, you know, he mm-hmm. um he basically you know goes on a school field trip and gets bit by a spider. Interesting. Interesting. And he becomes um um Batman. <laughs> He becomes Batman. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That spider bat DNA. Spider, uh. yeah. You know, he, he's got all the spider spider DNA. He makes the webs and he like sleeps upside down in the webs, you know, upside down like a bat. He's Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Web of steel. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's actually really good. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So this has been done uh, several times. Um, but an interesting uh, thing that they have yet to explore um, in the Superman lore um, are Superman villains. We've almost exclusively seen either Zod, yeah, or Lex Luthor as his villains, and I really think that seeing Brainiac as a villain would be super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in certain canons, Brainiac is responsible for the fall of Krypton. Oh. Um, so it has very much the you created me, I created you type of uh, dynamic with the arch nemesis. Um, who would you all, cast as Brainiac? Who plays Magneto again? Sir Ian McKellen? Other or, Magneto. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Steve Jobs. No, uh, Michael, Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. Yeah, oh, yeah. we got it at the same time. <laughs> Michael Fassbender would play an excellent Brainiac. I think that because Brainiac is very calculated um, and has nothing like he's basically programmed to um, be the fall of everything in the universe. Basically, think um, Ultron, but like more calculated and cold, like less personality. Um, mm. But man, like, and he could do that very creepily. Um, and he's technology based, so I think he would fit very well in uh, modern day times. Uh, but I think that I think in the Superman world, they, he has uh, villains like Brainiac. I think that would be excellent to see on film. That's good. Yeah, I'd probably cast uh, Jim Parsons as Brainiac. <laughs> <laughs> Either I him like or uh, French Stewart. I want to say. <laughs> No. Oh no! Hey, I'm in. Fritz Stewart would be amazing. Get Fritz Stewart for Brainiac. I am in. Bring him back. French returns. <laughs> um, for Lex Luthor, I'd like to see a recasting of uh, Idris Elba. Because you ever have you ever seen his uh, miniseries uh, Luther? He plays <laughs> Luthers really well. Wow, that's actually really good. I think he would actually be a good Lex Luthor. No, he'd be an excellent Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, man. We, we're actually diving. I like yeah. this a lot. Um, you know who else I thought would be like an excellent Superman? Hmm. Ben Affleck. And we had said this last time on the Batman one, but I think John Hamm. He's a little bit older. That's, that's even better. But John Hamm as could, Superman. Yes. 
Yeah, but I think to play like Superman at the age that Ben Affleck is playing Batman, mm-hmm. I think the two of them could go head to head. Oh yeah, yeah. I think someone else who um, who a lot of um, '90s nerds would appreciate uh, David uh, Boreanza. Uh, you might know him as Angel or Bones. Borneas. Uh, what would I say? But I think you said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no Borianza <laughs> David Bonanza I have heard it both ways <laughs> it was uh, it was su- such not his name that I didn't <laughs> know who you were talking about until you said what he had been in <laughs> oh uh, man <laughs> yeah he's he's good in bones yeah I, I just think that he has that kind of uh, he has the look um, he would also, also be a good general Zod Ooh, he would be an excellent Zod. He's got the forehead for it. You know who we haven't seen in a long time? Who I would love to see him reprise his role as Superman? To me, my only um, exchanges with Superman as a kid was Superman theories and Lois and Clark with Dean Cain. Dean Cain was such an excellent Superman. And Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane? That was such a great combo. And the series was fun. I remember watching it. And Every Sunday night. Man, Sunday night programming was excellent. And um, I loved just that duality that they played with in the show. And it was fun. And Dean Kane, like, he just, I mean, I think Superman, I think Dean Kane. All right, so uh, real quick. Uh, so mm-hmm. Superman, uh, nowhere really in the comics has Superman ever, like, turned back time. Um, in this way, um, he has punched the fabric of reality uh, before, sure. but he has not done that. So what superpower would you give Superman? Just like an additional superpower. Like what new superpower would you add on to Superman's already massive uh, ability? He he's super. He has super speed, um, almost invulnerable, um, heat vision flight hmm. can see through everything but lead but lead <laughs> um i think i'd let him see through lead <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's perfect i love it <laughs> superman you know what you've been good he's lead here you take, go take the last one you got lead now <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna that. flip it on you. If uh, if you could make Superman weak with something other than kryptonite, what would it be? Ooh, I know my answer, but I want to hear yours. I w- here's the thing. Uh, to make hu- Superman a little more human, uh, I would give him a fear of heights. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's psychological. Yeah, he's able to like leap buildings in a single bound, but he doesn't like it. It freaks no, him out. It freaks him out a lot. <laughs> oh, man, I would have just made him lactose intolerant. <laughs> oh, man. You it's know like growing that... up on the farm, milking those cows, he was never going to realize his full potential. So on the 90s uh, variety show, All That... Uh, Keenan Thompson played a character called Super Dude, who is very oh, much like yeah. Superman, and he was in fat lactose intolerant. You know what? I bet that's where I got it. I bet it was. <laughs> I bet the inception close to of that. Right here <laughs> no. On this podcast. No, they they just incepted that. It was the pinwheel in my mind. 
So that about does it for our review of the 1978 Superman. Uh, let us know what you thought about it on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of our review on iTunes. And we are now on Stitcher. So, I didn't know that. What is that? Yeah, it's like basically uh, another uh, podcast type device for um, that people who don't have Apple devices can listen to us. Nice. Right? So Hi, Windows people. Yeah. So uh, we would love if you guys give us a review there. We're new. Uh, so leave us a review right there. Letting us know what you thought of this review and any of our other reviews. For everyone who leaves us a review, we promise to give you a get out of the phantom zone free card it's oh. it's good for most space crimes um probably not um earth crimes but space it's pretty good space. for that yeah and be sure to tune in next time where we well the thing is ricky we have looked at the dark knight uh-huh. and we looked at the man of steel yeah. so we thought we'd combine the two and watch the 1990 classic Dark Man. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. If you have not seen Dark Man, you are in for a treat. It is currently on Netflix. Uh, it actually showed up in my queue as a recommendation uh, after watching Batman. So uh, it is a superhero movie starring Liam Neeson and directed by Spider Man's Sam Raimi. So you are in for a treat right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. Henry Cavill. That's going to be stuck in my head now. You're welcome. <laughs>